tremendously that I boom can't hear you man here uh, we're boom we are indeed uh first and foremost i want to mention going to 247hawkeye.com uh as well as twitter we're live on periscope and facebook for we're gonna be live on facebook for 10 minutes and periscope the entire time uh you can find us or yeah you can find us on twitter at 247hawkeye uh, and Instagram at official247hawkeye.com page. Paul, how are you doing, partner? How, how'd you enjoy the game? Man, I, if, if I was any better, I'd be, a, I'd, I'd be a fat pig in slop, dude. That's hilarious, dude. I, I totally agree. Iowa literally dominated uh, Purdue, or excuse me, Michigan State. I wish they dominated Purdue. In some sense, they did. Damn right. Uh, they beat them 49 to 7 and you know just off the bat did you expect this kind of performance paul well you know i kind of uh and when i say kind of here's what i mean you know we all remember you know what, what iowa did to ohio state uh, back in 2017 uh and they looked like world beaters and then the next week they they couldn't uh you know they, they <laughs> They couldn't put two sentences together. And, uh, you know, I kind of thought Michigan State may may come into Kinnick that way. Um, they, they had gotten beat by Rutgers and turned the ball over seven times. And then, you know, they played lights out against Michigan. And I said, well, who is the real Michigan State? Can, will the real Michigan State please stand up? I'm channeling my inner M&M. <laughs> and, uh, All right. you know. Well, I think it's obvious, uh, you know, I, I'm i not going back on what I said about Michigan State one bit because the, it looks like the win against Michigan is not as good as it seemed a week ago. And, you know, I've been very adamant about, you know, Mel Tucker not being a good football coach. And so far, I'm, I'm one for one with, set, you know, going out, and saying Scott Frost is not a good coach, but we'll get to that. Um, I, I'll I'll be honest, Paul. I did I, I didn't see a forty nine to seven shellacking. I saw Iowa winning this football game solidly. I did not think Michigan State was a good football team. The thing that is the thing that it, it's good and it's bad is. As you mentioned, the Ohio State game, Iowa can play with anybody. On any given day, Iowa, even when they don't have the talent like they do this year, they can uh, shellac or beat anybody just because uh, they get really well coached. But, it, I mean, Michigan State's not Ohio State. And, and the sad part of it is Iowa usually plays – to their competition's talent level. But the good thing is they didn't do it today. So, you know, it's, it's good and bad. The thing that keeps bothering me is that Iowa could be in, th could be three and all, and they're not, uh, you know, um, so, it, you know, it kind of is what it is. What, what are your other thoughts? Uh, you know, just right, right off the, off bat, the Paul? bat, I'm thinking, well, you know, this is the kind of team that, that Iowa traditionally 
has success against. You've got a quarterback who's who's not particularly mobile. He he he's mobile enough, but not really a threat in the running right. game. Uh, their offense yeah. isn't set up that way. Uh, and, and you know, so when you've got a pocket passer, uh, and and one that likes to go downfield by nature, and that that's been um, the book on Rocky Lombardi is you know he he's not afraid to to throw the deep ball. Well. I, I was not going to play a lot of man and they're not going to play a lot of single man. Uh, you know, so uh, they're, they're going to give help over the top. They're going to take that away. Um, and, and, you know, it's coming into the game, you know, there, there really wasn't um, a standout player. On Do Michigan you think State this is more of a, let me ask you had to worry quick. about there, there wasn't a bell. There wasn't, you know, and, and, you know, they don't, I agree they don't, with you there. They don't have yeah, a Mark Weissman at running back, apparently, you know. And, you know. I, oh, my gosh. Northwestern, they, don't even go back to that. That was just, in my opinion, uh, Iowa's second game as a, as a young unit, and they still played pretty good defense. But that was going to be my next question is what are your thoughts? You know, I'll give you my thoughts really quickly on Iowa's defense today. This is what I envisioned from the very beginning of the season. I knew the talent that Iowa did possess. The one thing I did not, and I should have known as a former you know, athlete, was how important leadership is. And Iowa's defense was missing that. They lost Geno Stone. They lost A.J. Epinesa to Michael Jumudier, three solid leaders. Not just talented guys, but good leaders. And... Guys needed to step up. They did. They needed to grab what could be theirs. And today, the linebacker unit looked exactly what like what they could be and should be. The defensive line looked great. And everything looked great. So do you think that this was more Michigan State's offense, what it really is, or more about Iowa's defense? I'm going to say Iowa's defense, and here's why. Uh, first of all, we, we have, we, we have historical documentation, right? You know, it, it, this isn't like, oh, wow. Uh, Iowa finally found a defense yeah. after three weeks. No, the, it, 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 the, the Iowa defense played really good for the first two weeks. They held Purdue to 20, 21. They held Northwestern to 20 points. Uh, these were two teams that, that scored points in, in, you know, in the forties and fifties. And I guarantee you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if those two teams, um, you know, their lowest point totals for, for their season is against Iowa because the Iowa defense has played well the last two weeks. They played well again today. Uh, the Iowa the Iowa offense they simply didn't play turn play. the ball over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the, that's, that's the results of not having fumbles in the red zone, not having – Right, you know, not not throwing interceptions, and then they got lucky. A couple, you know, Spencer got lucky a couple of times today with tip balls that that didn't wind up in the yeah the Brandon hands, but, catch. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, the the defense has actually played really good all season, and it has. Uh, you know, have they gotten to the quarterback? Not as much as they did today, but they didn't have to worry about. Uh, they didn't have to worry about Rocky. Uh, you know. Well, here's the thing. They did get a lot of pressure 
Rocky would just throw passes, whether they were good, they, whether they ended up being good passes or bad passes, he would just throw it, you know, before he could get sacked. He, he, it was obvious he did not like to be hit. Uh, and he would get rid of it, which is why he threw three interceptions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you know, Rocky looked like the first game starter here, uh, you know, similar to what we, we had against Purdue. And you say, you know, it was a rough first quarter for Spencer Petrus uh, or, or rough, you know, it, it really it was a rough. But but then Spencer kind of settled right. into that game. And then last week, you know, he had the beautiful touchdown pass. This week, he had another uh, beautiful touchdown pass to Brandon Smith. And yes, he you, did. you could see that relationship growing. Uh, yeah, I uh, agree. He, you know, like. And I hope Iowa goes back to Brandon Smith like that more absolutely. often because Brandon Smith has unequivocally shown that if you throw the ball in his direction, he he is a perfect possession receiver he's not gonna beat a lot of people over the top unless you throw it up for for him to get and I hope that the Iowa offense sees that and understands that and I think they do to a certain extent that's why they've thrown two jump balls for Brandon Smith and he's come up with both um here's here's a question I have so I agree with you that relationship is growing and I hope it turns into much more Another question that I have for you right off the bat, you know, a comment that I had uh, on the, you know, Facebook uh, postgame live show was that these were the two worst quarterbacks in the Big Ten playing against each other. I completely disagree with that. Uh, First and foremost, Rocky has thrown for 300 yards in in his first two games, okay? Is is Rocky – a good quarterback? No, I, I, you know, I, it'd be great had he chosen the Hawkeyes, and you know, it it would be some real serious competition between him, Spencer, and Alex. He wouldn't be playing uh, Spencer. So would, he would not be playing quarterback. Iowa, Iowa liked I agree. him, but Iowa liked him as a linebacker. They liked him maybe as a tight end because you know the Iowa coaches looked at his athleticism. They looked at his. Uh, build and and they didn't like him as a quarterback and you, you, and they made the right choice there. They, quite frankly, they yeah. did. I mean, he would have been a, he probably would have been a nice tight end, just like Drew Cook had. Drew Cook decided to just play tight end right away, or AJ Derby had he listened to the Iowa coaching staff and just played quarterback and not transferred to Arkansas and then you know play tight end like the coach Iowa coaches wanted. The Iowa coaches know where guys should play um, by the way by the way let, you know let, let, let's take let, I, let's go back in the uh the time cap uh, the time machine chad greenway was the quarterback that iowa said no no you're right. a linebacker and uh you know he he's he, he had a uh a damn nice college career and an even better uh pro football career with the vikings so you know, when Iowa says, Great you point. know, you're a quarterback, but but you you look more like a linebacker to us. Um, hey, if, if you're a high school kid, these you know, Kirk's been around for you know a day or two. He knows what he he's knows. Talking about. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And 
you know, uh, Rocky would not be a quarterback. Had he picked Iowa, he would not be a quarterback right now. I can't remember who Iowa did pick up in that class. I think it, I think it was Spencer. It was either Spencer or Peyton Manziel. And again, I would take Peyton Manziel over Rocky. I mean, Peyton Manziel has shown, uh, you know, playing for Abilene Christian that, you know, he's the real deal. And quite frankly, it would have been a real competition between him and Spencer had he stayed. So I don't think that these are the two worst quarterbacks, even though Rocky should be playing a different position. And that showed today, uh, you know, and, and to be honest, again, the two quarterbacks that Iowa played before this game would be better suited playing other positions. They are not true quarterbacks that could play quarterback at the next level. Um, Spencer, on the other hand, is. He has the arm talent. Uh, you know, he, he knows the offense. The, the bottom line is what people don't understand, most people don't understand, is that this, for an offense like Iowa's, for this to be only Spencer's third game, the, the Iowa offense is, is hard enough to grasp at it as it is. But for it to be only be his third game on top of that, he's going to grow and he's going, he's going to get a lot better. He's already, by this game, he showed how much more comfortable uh, he was in Iowa's system. And it's also very obvious that Iowa is very comfortable with him. And going back to your statement last week about how it was not Spencer's fault uh, that Iowa lost against Northwestern because Brian Ferentz was the one who had him throw 50 balls. I wish I could go back in the post-game podcast and say just that because uh, I completely agree. Uh, it, it was not Spencer's fault that Brian Ferentz had him throw the football 50 times last game. And, and I had a conversation with Spencer, and I already said this on, on Facebook Live. If you are not a running quarterback, you know, and, and we'll get to Alex Padilla here in a second because it was nice to see him. It was very nice to see Gavin Williams. And it was also very nice to see some of the very talented young offensive linemen get some reps. But if you are a quarterback like Spencer uh, Petrus and, and you want to throw the football that much, you have to run the football. You have to set it up so that Spencer has time to look at the field. Uh, you have to set it up so that uh, play action is available. Uh, and, and in the first two games, that just was not the case. Uh, Spencer was just dropping back and throwing from the pocket. And it, there was really no, um, you know, um, and Iowa is known for their play action. There was really no difference there with the play action and getting defenders to move because part of the, reason why you get defenders to move is to get them tired for the next play to get them you know you want to spread the field out so I definitely do not think that Spencer is one of the worst quarterbacks in the Big Ten has he shown that he's one of the best no but he's not the worst either um, what are your thoughts real quick and then I'm going to give the stats of this game, uh, team stats and individual stats. Well, if Iowa didn't win 49 to seven today, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about what you just said about, uh, Iowa system, because, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's, 
you know, if you're Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, and whatever, your your job is to win football games, not to not, not to prepare guys for the NFL. And if the system is that yeah. damn difficult, right? Like, well, he said, well, it's just his third game, and the system is really hard for quarterbacks for tip for for quarterbacks to grasp in that. Uh, that's something. Then make it yeah. easier. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, like your job is to win football games, not to, uh, not 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 to create NFL quarters. But but it, you know that that thought notwithstanding, I agree a hundred percent with that. I I could not agree more. That that is a hundred percent true, uh, Paul. Uh, and you know it was kind of obvious in the first two two games that Iowa was like playing around seeing what would work, what would not work as opposed to just putting their foot on the throats of both Purdue and Northwestern and ending the game like they did today. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that last thought notwithstanding um, what, what Iowa did today especially you go all the way back to the beginning of the game, that first drive. And they, they said, you know what, we're, we're going to come out and we're going to play Iowa football. And, and, you know, they didn't get a turnover. They didn't block a punt and get great field position. They, they, you know, that they got the ball and they drove 78 yards. Maybe I think it was 70, something like that. And it was, it, it, it was a hot knife through butter, but it was, it was strategic. It, 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 and I said, as I'm watching the game, okay, you know what? Iowa looked like a team that knew what they were going to do when they got the football for the first time. Let's see what happens with the second possession. But at the same time, they executed well. And the only thing I can say is, and, and I have a, my, my father-in-law, uh, Gary Smith, he's a sports writer for the Florida Times Union. Um, he, he has a little saying, we go golfing. And, uh, it, it, you know, if I put uh, a ball five feet past the hole, he'll say, you have all the touch of a serial rapist. And uh, sometimes Spencer Petras sort of has that too. You know, uh, when he needs to throw a four or five yard pass, he has to learn to take a little off and 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 put it in a place where a guy can both catch it and turn up the field. Uh, and right now that that's, that's his, that's his only and real weakness is um, he throws every, every pass is that he's throwing at 50 yards. The thing that I disagree with that is that these are division one athletes. They absolutely, if the ball touches their hand, they should come down with it. That's the, now, I, I don't disagree with that Spencer sh- should, you know, lower his passes a little bit. But also, this is not high school football. This is, I mean, these guys are, you know, they play football year-round. This is, you know, and they're wide receivers, for God's sakes. I mean, they catch football. Right. They, right. you know, they need to come up with it. That's the only, it's not that I completely disagree with what you said. It's just the other aspect of it. So here, real quick, I'm going to go over the stats. I like it. Um, I like it. Spencer Petr- uh, Petras or Spencer Petras, whatever you like to say, he doesn't really care. 15 for 27, 167 yards, one TD. Uh, Iowa rushing. Tyler Goodson had 14 wait, wait, carries wait, wait, for 100. No picks, right? No interceptions? No fumbles? Yeah, I said no interceptions. Yep. 
that, that one touchdown, zero that's, interception. That's as important as, as touchdown passes is he didn't give the ball away either. I just want to very true. Out. Yep, I agree with that. Tyler Goodson, four carries for 113 yards, two TDs, a long of 71 yards. He had a 71 yard uh, run. Charlie Jones, uh, two carries for 38 yards. Makai Sargent, nine carries for 31 yards. Gavin Williams, which, you know, I want to talk about this for a second. You know, the way he runs and his body type, he really reminds me a lot of Marcus Coker. And it's obvious now. It, it was obvious a couple weeks ago when Shadrick Bird, or a week ago, when he decided to put his name in the transfer portal. But it's really obvious now that Gavin Williams was ahead of – had put himself ahead of Shadrick uh, Bird – on the depth chart, I don't think he's going to get. I don't think he's going to use up his red shirt this year, Paul. No, but uh, he ran hard. He did. I mean, he and he showed some shiftiness for for a guy who is a bigger back. And I'm excited about his future. I really am. What do you think? Well, you know, it, it's hard to judge. Uh, fourth quarter, Iowa was, uh, you know, six, has been successful running the ball for three straight weeks. You know, uh, yep. And so, it, Iowa stopped Iowa against Northwestern. It wasn't the other way around. Yeah, it, you know, if Iowa sticks, you know, to Iowa football, and and you know, I texted a buddy of mine uh, after that first first touchdown drive, and I was joking, but I said, you know what, I think probably around Tuesday of this uh, of this past week, Kirk kicked in the door of Brian's office. And said, <laughs> we are flipping Iowa. Start calling yeah. plays like it, or I'm going to start calling plays. You know? And I could not agree more. Or hand it over to Ken O'Keefe. Exactly. Yeah. And, right. I agree. And I thought we saw, I agree. I kind of thought we saw a lot of Ken O'Keefe today. We saw bubble screen. We, we saw the jailbreak. We saw play act. We, we saw the run, the, the, the zone read, or not the zone read, but the, the, the zone at the outside zone run the play action off the outside zone run, the, the bootleg, uh, that this was a, a Ken O'Keefe type called game, but it was, yes, it was. It was Ken O'Keefe circa 2002 with Brad Banks. And a lot of people love to go back and look at that Brad Banks um, season and say, well, we need, we, you know, we, we need a mobile quarterback like him. Well, well, he wasn't really a mobile court. I mean, he. I mean, he was as mobile as CJ Beathard, to be honest. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't CJ or see, it wasn't Brad Banks's legs that made that season. It was that that offensive line. You, you go back and right, and, and they had a, you know, they had the number two overall pick playing left tackle. They had an amazing center. They had a, a couple of great ta- uh, guards. Um, you know. Uh, the, the offensive and, and an amazing tight end and Dallas Clark, you know, yep. people go back and say, Brad Banks, Brad Banks, Brad Banks. Well, you know, and, and nothing against Brad Banks, but guess how many. A lot of talent had? around him. So much talent around him. I mean, I can't, I can't remember another time that there was so much talent around a quarterback. I mean, the closest it's been is now, yeah. but even now it's not what it was then. I mean, the offensive line, I think, is close. Uh, tight end, it's still, t- it's still to be determined. Uh, Sam LaPorte certainly looks nice. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure he's quite Dallas Clark yet. 
No, um, not yet. And the wide receiver group, quite frankly, and maybe Amir, without Amir Smith Marset, it, it you know it may prove to be uh, better than it was, but it has not lived up to expectations yet. It just has not. Uh, and so you know, so we'll see, and hopefully it improves really quickly. Let's uh, finish the stats real quick. Okay. Ivory Kelly Martin had five carries for ten yards. Alex Padilla had two carries for seven yards. Uh, he certainly has some legs. Uh, I'll say that. Um, receiving Iowa uh, had Tyrone Tracy four receptions for thirty-eight yards. Brandon Smith three for thirty-five again. With one touchdown, he is a possession receiver. Sean Byer, two receptions for 34 yards. Nico Rajani, a.k.a. Nico Regani, three receptions for 32 yards. And uh, um, two catches for Sam LaPorta for 11 yards. Uh, he didn't have a fantastic game. Um, weirdly enough, they have the defensive stats. They usually don't have that. Uh, Sacks, Chauncey Golston had one and a half. Yeah. Uh and I did not know that. Uh, so well done for him. Zach Van Volkenberg had a half a sack and one and a half tackles for loss. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's 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 talk about ZBV for a moment because if you recall early in the in the game, uh, Michigan State was trying to run a jet sweep, and ZBV was right there. You know, uh, he set the edge and absolutely destroyed the guy. He did. He did. I mean, this this is what I have been saying. The, the talent that Iowa has is starting, especially on defense. It showed last week, but it really showed this week. Seth Benson, I mean, he was all over the field. Nick Neiman, Chauncey Golston, Jack Kerner has just been solid back there since he took over. Dane Belton, same thing. Uh, and Matt Hank, you know, Jack Heflin's doing a good job. Yep. Matt, you know, I'm happy for Kayvon Merriweather as well. I got that correct. You know, I said Dane Belton would probably be the cash slot guy over Julius Brent. And that has been the case, which has put Kayvon Merriweather at safety. So I'm happy for Merriweather. Uh, and ZBB, as you call him, you know, has really risen to the challenge. You know, he may yet. Uh, play himself into a later round draft pick. The other guy, unequivocally, is just Davion Nixon. The dude is a freaking beast. Uh, and th the motor that he has is unreal, and I love it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Nixon Nixon carried the ball into the end zone today, didn't count, uh, you know, as it turned out. And that, that was probably the right call. But if there was a player, uh, you know, in the Big Ten right now, who deserves uh, to to get in the end zone with the football? It's probably Davion Nixon. I mean, right, that guy right. Is, he's he's been a beast through three games. He's been everywhere as a defensive lineman. Um, props to Davion, uh, and, and you know what? Props not only for hanging around, but but being here. Uh, he he's a Clinton Solomon kind of kind of story. Here, left, it came back, and, and he's he's making a name for himself. Sean Green, uh, uh, Clint Solomon. Yeah, Sean Green, Clinton Solomon-like, yeah. Also yeah. of note is Reggie Bracey getting onto the field, uh, true freshman. So that's, that's you know, that's of note. Um, and Justin Jacobs is, is, is doing a great job. And as I said, uh, and, and by the way, got to bring up, uh, Barrington Wade. What a story that is. I mean, 
I have said multiple times, I am not a fan of guys transferring because I know how it is. Unless, unless you know that you just are not good enough to play in the Big Ten, th- that's something else entirely. But if you know that you can play at this level, sticking it out is not only good for your playing career, but it's good just to be associated with Iowa, to have all you know the, the people who are invested in Iowa. Uh, and more often than not, guys who stick around until their senior year end up being rewarded. And so to me, that's a fantastic story, and I, and I love it. And quite frankly, if he keeps playing like this, you know, who knows what happened for him. But I'm really happy uh, for him thus far. He didn't have, I mean, statistically, it was not, I mean, a crazy game for him. But, uh, you know, he has two interceptions on the season. And then, t- you know, total team stats really quickly, and then we're going to get to the rest of the Big Ten and then return back to Iowa. Um, Iowa struggled on third down. They were only 5 of 15. Uh, they haven't been great on the season on third down, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, total yards, 405. Iowa continues to put yards up. I mean, it, it's, it's plain and simple. There has not been one game where they have not been able to move the football. As I said in the last podcast, it has come down to execution and leadership. The first two weeks, Iowa was missing that. Uh, it, you know, one more than the other in both games. Today, both of them came together and they and they finished. Uh, passing, they had, they had 179 yards. And rushing, they had 226 while they held Michigan State to 59 yards on the ground. I mean, that's just unreal. So um, there's that. And then let's get to the Big Ten really quick. Scores in the Big Ten. Maryland is up on Penn State 14 to nothing. Penn State, I mean, I asked Dean this last week, you know, what has been worse, uh, Penn State start, Minnesota start, or Iowa start? And we both said Penn State. And if Penn State goes 0-3, I mean, man, uh, that's, that's not good. It, nobody expected this. And to me, this is showing even more so that the Big East, the, to me, the, the, the Big Ten West is, is up and down much better than the Big Ten, Big Ten East. Uh, so, but we'll see how it plays out. Minnesota's up seven to nothing on Illinois. Um, you know, those two states are playing against each other. Good for them. Um, Michigan lost to Indiana by 17 points, 38 to 21. I don't think Jim Harbaugh's job is in trouble. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe this will show Michigan fans what I've been saying for a long time that, Michigan, as much as they want to be Ohio State, and, and, and they should be competitive against Ohio State, historically, just because of the academic requirements for Michigan and things like that, it's just not as easy for Michigan as it is for Ohio State. Now, with that being said, if Kirk Ferentz was coaching Michigan, do I think that Michigan would be doing better against Ohio State? Yeah, I do, actually. 
so, you know, I mean, but that doesn't mean Jim Harbaugh is a bad coach. So we'll see what happens there. Nebraska lost to Northwestern. Folks, Nebraska is not good, okay? And I think Iowa can yet still steal uh, the th- th- Thomas Fedoni from Nebraska because I do think Nebraska is going to put Scott Frost on the chopping block. Nebraska's 0-2. They probably would have been 0-3. I know Dean feels really good that Nebraska would have beat Wisconsin. I don't. Um, Nebraska is, is just not good. I mean, I don't know how much more examples people need. Nebraska has recruited extremely well for, for since Scott Frost has been there. It's not as though Scott Frost inherited a, a talentless team. He inherited a very talented group of guys. He's just not getting the job done, plain and simple. And I know older people uh, who know what Nebraska used to be, uh, since they know that, they think that Nebraska should be that now. The fact of the matter is Nebraska is not. They cannot throw their web out when it comes to recruiting and, and be a top five recruiting school when Osborne was the coach. Their best chance was when they had, I'm blanking on his name, and they fired him. Uh, their best chance was to be an 8, 9, 10 win team over and over because Nebraska just doesn't have the recruits. I mean, hell, Iowa has more Division One football players than Nebraska does. So, you know, the time for Nebraska to be what Nebraska was is done. It's not there anymore. That doesn't mean that they're not recruiting well still. They are but they aren't what Tom Osborne had, and maybe they should go back to the, to the option. I don't know, but they, but they aren't what they were, and Scott Frost is on the chopping block. What do you think on that, Paul? Well, I, man, I, I, you know, I, I could go on for days about Nebraska. Um, well, just your quick assessment. Uh, ne- Nebraska doesn't know who they are. They haven't known who they are since the days of uh, – uh, of Scott Frost playing quarterback um, and, and not being their coach. I mean, you, you look at them right now. Um, they, they came from the Big 12, and they, they've tried to bring a Big 12 mentality into a league that plays defense. Right. And, and um, you know, uh, they, they love to tout the, the black shirts. Well, um, they, they don't play any defense. They don't no. play. They don't play defense. That's that's what it comes to. And, and you know, uh, uh, Thomas Fadoni, uh, whoever else, Iowa, you know, what uh, recruited, you know, Noah Fant um, was a Nebraska guy, and he realized, look, I'm not going to win spit, uh, you know, if I stay in state. So, um, you know. Nebraska hasn't beaten Ohio State 55-24. Um, you know, so long story short on Nebraska, um, they need to they need to do a little soul searching over there uh, in Omaha, and they they need to decide who are we going to be, uh, and, and and you know they 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 need to to unplug the VCR. Because this isn't 1995 anymore, and 
you know, if they want to play Big Ten football, they need to get a Big Ten football mindset. And and I think they can. And I think they can recruit Big Big Ten quality football players. And they just need to understand that Big Ten football is one at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, it, it's one on the offensive line. It's one on the defensive line. Uh, and, you know, as long as they want to play cute with, with um, you know, the quarterback position or if, if they want to, they want to, you know, play fast on offense and, and things like that. But tell me the last Big Ten team outside of Ohio State, which recruits, recruits like, like an SEC team. They recruit like, you know, you know, you know they recruit yeah. like in Alabama. So they don't count. So tell me outside of Ohio State. A team that in the Big Ten that that wins trying to play Big Twelve football because the only they, schools that are that are similar the only teams that well I would say Penn State uh, but outside of Ohio State and Penn State the top the other top recruiting schools are Nebraska and Michigan right and I well, like kind of trailing. by the rankings right by the rankings but, 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 but they the bottom line is even when Osborne was the coach, they had great offensive linemen. Since right. Scott since Bo Pelini, they have not had great success at the defensive line or the offensive line when it comes to developing developing them and turning them out. I mean, for God's sakes, they recruit four star talent at I mean, hell, they have uh they have the four-star Ezra Miller who, you know, said it was a back problem, but then it was depression who left Iowa to go to Nebraska. I mean, they have four-star talent and they have recruited that, but they don't develop it. And, you know, here are the records. Bo Pelini was 67 and 27. Um, um, It's either 2003 to 2014 or 2006 to 2014. I'm not sure. Um, and then Mike Riley was 19 and 19. Scott Frost is nine and 17. Mike Riley did a better job at Nebraska than Scott Frost has done so far. To me, that says everything. That says everything. And they have the running quarterback that they need. They do. If they want to do that, if they, you know, both, um, both, uh, Adrian Martinez and uh, uh, McCaffrey can can you know use their legs, but they don't use it. Nebraska's in trouble. They have been. I think Speaking of in trouble, I, I just want uh, Maryland just scored again. It is now twenty-one nothing Maryland over Penn State. Yeah, Penn State's going to go zero uh, three. I don't see them coming back from that deficit. Um, so. You know, and Minnesota's up 14-0. to zero. Let's go back to Iowa here. Iowa is going to play Minnesota on Friday. In, in your eyes, Paul, it, the, I, t- I said that I think that Iowa still has a small chance, and they do. Is it realistic to hope for that? Probably not, that they can win the Big Ten West. But they still can finish second or third, which in my opinion would be okay. It would still be a letdown for me because I know how talented this group was or is. But they can still do that, especially with Wisconsin canceling games. They may cancel another. If they do, then they're out of the race. Um, but uh, w- w- right now, 
uh, how do you feel about Iowa moving forward and and uh, within the Big Ten? Well, I, I think Iowa got back to their identity today, and I'm so glad we brought this back to Iowa because this is the Iowa post game. Yes, post. it is. And, and by the way, everybody, visit two four seven Hawkeye dot com. Uh, well done. You know, and, and uh, you know, we're we're back to talking Hawkeye football here, and what I'm what I'm seeing here is, you know, Wisconsin to me should be out of the race for the Big Ten West. They they've taken themselves out of it. Uh, Iowa is out of it. State, Nebraska, Illinois, and Wisconsin left. To me, Iowa can win every single game, I'm and they have state. I'm very worried about Iowa playing Friday night at Minnesota. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think home field matters at all right now because, you know, the, the I agree. is pussied out and, uh, you know, isn't really letting fans in. So although they're talking about revisiting that now that the election is over, uh, <laughs> you know, funny how that works out. Right. We'll get to that here in a moment. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, I, I don't really think – you know, home field is, is, is that big of a deal. But at the same time, and by the way, screw you 2020. Here we are. It's it's November and it was it was 65 degrees in Kinnick Stadium. I, I, I've been to Kinnick Stadium in November. It's supposed to be in the 50s or 40s, maybe even the 30s in November. It's it's 70 degrees, 65, 70 degrees and sunny. Screw you, 2020, no fans in Kinnick Stadium. That's, that's, that, anyway, sorry. Sure. No, what do you think about Iowa moving forward? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about Iowa playing at Minnesota Friday night only because uh, Iowa is, uh, this program is built on consistency. Everything they do is, is clockwork. You know, everything is regimented. Uh, the quote unquote Iowa way. Um, so this past win, forty nine to seven, getting back to the run game, does not make you feel good about Minnesota. I'm just concerned that the preparation. First of all, short week, and it's going to be short week for Iowa and Minnesota. Although I think Minnesota's off this week now, aren't they? Because their game was canceled. No, they're playing Illinois. They. Oh, are that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh. But it's going to be a short week. They got to travel, and it, it it's a new schedule. It throws off everything <clears throat> Iowa does and what they do well, which is you know they they they're they're. Listen, I completely disagree. Where you're going, I think I listen. The Friday night game, it, it, it being in the middle of the season, is completely different than what it usually is. But Iowa is knows how to prepare for a short week. They have done it for the past couple seasons now. They know how to do it. I'm not saying that Iowa is going to win, uh, even though I do think they will. But I think Iowa showed today against Michigan State, if they run the football, if they pound the football, uh, that they're fine. I think they have the playmakers on the outside to do what they need to do against Minnesota. And if the defense plays like they did today, as long as the defense continues this surge that they have, I feel completely fine about the remaining schedule that Iowa has. I mean, I, I thought Iowa was going to play Ohio State, and they're not. I mean, I literally think 
and it it bothers me even more now that Iowa lost to Purdue and Northwestern. Considering looking at the remaining schedule, the, Nebraska is not as good as people thought. Penn State's not as good as people thought. Illinois sucks. And Wisconsin, who knows? It, that game may not even matter for Wisconsin when Iowa plays them. So Iowa, in my opinion, can really finish this season strong. They just need to keep chipping away. And uh, uh, Petrus, Petrus will continue to get better. Uh, I'll, I'll have a conversation with him this week, see where things are at. Uh, so I feel good about it. Uh, I want to bring this up real quick for Paul, who served in the military. And, you know, we pretty much talked all Iowa that we could for this post game. Um, you wanted to talk about ESPN, and it, sh- it shouldn't surprise you. I mean, ESPN is completely one-sided. I mean, that's why they had to lay off. Uh, I think it was 500 people yep. to lay uh, at ESPN because of how slanted they have become. The bottom line is people don't care about politics and sports. They just don't. Um, and uh, so you wanted to quit, you wanted to talk about how ESPN showed Iowa kneeling, uh, but then when it was uh, military week, they didn't show guys, you know, standing for the national anthem and things like that. They didn't show the flag. They didn't show anything, uh, which was, I mean, if, if it's military, you know, being given thanks to the military, what's wrong with showing the flag? I mean, it makes zero sense. What, what, was, what was your thoughts on that? Well, you know, last week. They and by were, the way, folks, Paul served in the military. So go ahead. I, I am a, a Navy veteran. I've, I've been to Iraq twice. And my dad is as well. He's he a senior master sergeant in the Air Force, so both of us have very good ties to the military. Go ahead. Floor's all yours now. And, and thank your dad for his service. Of course. Uh, absolutely. And, and and by the way, uh, uh, happy Veterans Day. If you don't hear yep. from me uh, before Veterans Day, uh, definitely uh, thank you to all my fellow veterans uh, you know, Amen. who served. But, Same here. Thank you. Uh, last week, Iowa's first home game, ESPN did not show the National Anthem live, which is good. Uh, not not good. Uh, you know, I don't think that they show that live normally anyway. But they definitely made a point to put it on TV sometime around the second or third quarter. That, the kneeling. Uh, uh, of the kneeling, of, of guys kneeling during the National Anthem. And, and, and you know, um, it, and then they, they went into, you know, the, the struggles of uh, – the, the racial right. uh, issues Iowa's had had in the off season and the ongoing issues that they had going on—that's fine. Um, I don't even think that's fine. I mean, I think one one talk about it is fine, but they showed it multiple times. I mean, goodness gracious, how many times did they need to show it? I mean, how much more divisive do you need to be? But yeah, continue. Fair enough. Uh, so this week, here we are. It's quote unquote. Military Appreciation Appreciation Week, I think is what they were calling it, or or Veterans Appreciation Week, something like that. They didn't they didn't show the national anthem for this game, nor did they happen to revisit what happened during the national anthem with guys taking a knee. So if, if this whole thing has no, uh, you know, it's not against the military, then why not show it, right? Right. You know what I mean? Like if they want to be fair. Here, here's what it comes down to. If they want to be fair, then if they're going to show that, if they're going to show what they showed last week for Iowa, and they truly want to be fair, then the one thing that they could show 
is the flag and, and things like that and show the national anthem. That's what it comes down to. If you want to show people that you are trying to be fair and transparent, then that's the least you could do is show both sides. And I'm not even sure that one side is against the other. It's not, but that's the only, but that's what ESPN wants to present it, that it's one side against the other when it's not that way, just because you support the military doesn't support, doesn't mean that you can't support, you know, uh, what some of the players are fighting for with what they call uh, racial inequality or racial injustice, what they think, uh, or uh, the other way around. If you think that there's racial injustice, doesn't mean that you can't support the military as well. Uh, so if they, if ESPN wants to be fair, that's what they should have done for something that they label as veterans, uh, appreciation. I can listen, Paul, I completely agree. And the bottom line though is ESPN is not fair. They are not down the middle. And if they, it, you know, it, they need to hear things like what you and me are saying, if they want to get there, because bottom line is a lot of people's jobs were lost because of all of this because of the NBA and things like that, you know, putting bumper sticker slogans on the court because of, uh, you know, all this stuff that people just don't want in their sports. And, uh, you know, I mean, I wasn't entirely for talking about this because I understand some people feel certain ways and that's fine. All we're talking, me and Paul are talking about is fairness. That's all we're talking about at the end of the day is being fair and showing uh, both the military as well as if you want to show the kneeling, then fine. I, am I am I off on that, Paul? No, but but I will say this for the woke quote unquote woke crowd. Uh, yeah, you know if, if if taking a knee during the national anthem does not have anything to do, uh, if 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 it if it's not against the military and, and whatever else, then there's absolutely no reason to to not show it. Uh, during it Veterans is, Appreciation uh, yeah. Week, you know, if you're going to point it, it out last week, then go ahead and point it out this week. You go and go ahead and, and and make a deal of it in the second or third quarter. Right. Uh, you know, <clears throat> and, and you know th- this was the scene during the national anthem, and and promote the guys kneeling as, uh, you know, as, as a projection of freedom, of freedom of speech, freedom of 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 of, of, of uh, uh, just protest. freedom. You know, like, yeah, yep, totally. Listen, Paul, I totally agree with that. But they the didn't last... show it. They didn't show it. And yeah. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Because at the end of the day, honorable people know that it's absolutely disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the families that had that had loved ones come home in coffins draped with that flag, and. Uh, right and, and taking me it's damn disrespectful to them and and y- you know y- you want to take a knee during the national anthem you know, yeah I'm, I'm not going to tell you this is about espn this is not about the kneeling this is about right. espn and what they showed agree uh, you so, know and I, I went off topic there but the last thing that i'll say really quickly folks and I've said this many, many times. The kneeling does not bother me. As a Christian, the only thing I kneel before is God. That's it. Amen. The, but but if, if, if you truly want to make an impact, kneeling, a physical expression such as kneeling does not do that. 
What does make an impact is going back to your community and giving back in the skills that you do have, such as teaching football, getting kids out of the tough environments that they're in and, 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 you know, doing a football camp or, you know, things like that. That is how you make a difference by, by literally being there and sharing your knowledge uh, of, of, of improving oneself. That is how you improve things. That is how you improve uh, the environment that you want to improve. So listen, folks, uh, we just wanted to mention that. And also more, more so than that, we just wanted to say thank you to all the veterans who have served uh, tenfold. I mean, we mean it from the bottom of our hearts. Paul, Amen. thank you so much for, for serving. I've said this to you many times. Um, really quickly, uh, b- b- before we log off here, um, what do you, for, for the Minnesota game in particular, uh, what are you looking for with Iowa uh, to, to improve on, to ensure victory, and then also how do you think the game is going to go uh, even with the Minnesota-Illinois game not being concluded yet? All right, so we're going to get Smith-Marset back. And, and right. you, you know, there's nothing bad about getting – excuse me. Uh, nothing bad about getting a weapon back, uh, a playmaker back. And uh, I think what Iowa showed today is that the Iowa offense can be successful uh, without him. So, yes. Uh, getting him back is just an added bonus. And Iowa needs to treat it as such. And if they do and they say, look, uh, you know, just getting Smith Marset back does not mean we've got to, you know, target him 15 times. We still need to be a run first team. Uh, Minnesota, uh, the, their quarterback is not mobile. He he's not a, a run threat. So, uh, but but their their wide receiver core is absolutely elite. So, uh, you know that's true. The the challenge is definitely you know it's there for the uh, Iowa secondary, but <clears throat> I think we're up to the challenge. And and I think as long as um, Iowa continues to say, look. We're gonna be we're gonna be Iowa. This is Iowa football right here. We're gonna out big boy you, right? And on both sides of the line of scrimmage, by the way, that's that's you know where where Iowa wins football games is uh, we're better up front than you are on both sides of the line of scrimmage. As long as they do that, Iowa should be just fine. Uh, I love our I love our skilled guys just as much as as Minnesota's, even though I do think Minnesota might have an edge uh, in the wide receiver department, because I think they, I think they have the overall better talent there. And they they definitely have a better quarterback than Iowa does right now, but, but that's not a knock against Spencer. It's just where they are in their careers. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and experience wise, but you know what? Spencer played, he played good today, and the defense played outstanding today, all things considered. So, uh, if what do you think the score will be, Iowa versus Minnesota? I, I'm, I'm thinking honestly, I, I actually think this game will be uh, rather low scoring for a college football game, and I'm thinking like a, a 24 17 kind of game. 
and I think the team that doesn't make the big mistake wins, and I'm hoping that that's Iowa. So I'm gonna right. take I'm gonna take Iowa twenty four seventeen. Like it, like it. Here's my assessment going into the season. The reason why I was so high on Iowa was because. I knew that Iowa was a running team and I knew how many games they had won just by running the football. And on top of that, if they had wide receivers, if the running game was taken away, that they could beat teams that way as well. The problem is the first two games, they did not do that. Uh, it was the other way around. Correct. If Iowa continues what they did with Michigan State by pounding the football and using the wide, receiver, wide receivers as ways to uh, help the run game as well as possibly if the run game is not there to, to beat Minnesota when they need to, then they should be fine. I think Iowa can either win this game. Iowa hasn't struggled uh, at Minnesota. Um, recent years, they've done very well at Minnesota, and they have, I think it's a four-game win streak against Minnesota. Uh, it, as long as Iowa's defense shows up, and, and as Paul said, there, there aren't a ton of mistakes. Uh, Turnovers-wise, Iowa should be fine. Uh, I think Iowa can score over 30 points and hold Minnesota to under 20. Or I could see this game being 24 to 17, as Paul said. I think it's either or. Either way, I think Iowa comes away with this game. There's no reason for me to think that Iowa loses this game, even with their two losses. It, 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 in my view, it, it hurts me more now because they should have won those games. So, But in context, there's no reason for me to think that Iowa can't win this game considering Purdue and Northwestern are a combined 5-0 and and Iowa only lost those teams by a combined five points. So there's no reason for me not to have confidence in Iowa.